bless you. As you're seated today, we're going to go to the book of John. John chapter number 14 is where we're going to be reading this morning. And we're going to listen to the words of Jesus. How many of you understand that Jesus is our greatest example that any of us can follow? Let's read some of the words of Jesus found in chapter 14, starting at verse number 25. It says, all this I have spoken while still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. All look at somebody and say all things. We need to be reminded of all the things of God. We'll teach you all things and we'll remind you of everything I have said to you. We could stop there for just a second and understand that we often need to be reminded of God's truth. Oh, come on. On Monday morning, you need to be reminded of what you learn on Sundays. On Tuesday, you need to be reminded that Jesus is alive. On Wednesdays, you need to be reminded that the truths of the Word of God are not a lie. Jesus didn't lie to you. He will perform everything He has spoken on your behalf. Praise the Lord. Next it says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you, I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not, let me say it again, do not be afraid. This morning as we began this series on putting fear in its place, I want to just say, if you're like me, there are some fears that I have had that I have seen really didn't amount to much. Aren't you thankful for those fears But how many of you have spent time thinking about them, worrying about them, analyzing them, playing them out in your mind, and then after a season of time, you realize that they didn't amount to anything at all? There's been other fears, though, that I have to tell you. There were worries or cares that I had in my life, and and over time, those things were actually realized. Those situations actually came to pass. Now, what do we do to actually try to push those things away? If you are a normal human being, you try to squash those things into the back of your mind and to say, I'm not even gonna think about it because if I think about it, it'll make me nervous and I surely won't talk about it because if I talk about it, I'm afraid that the thing that I feared most may come to pass. I'll speak it into existence. And so we try to tuck it away, but it keeps on popping up. It continues to to come our direction. You know, I've noticed something about fears in my own life I was about 20 years old, in my 20s at least, and one day as I was, was uh, in the shower washing, I found this lump under my arm. And I became concerned. My mom passed away when I was 17 years old with, with uh, breast cancer, and of course that was metastatic, and it began to move throughout her body, and, and I began to worry, and I went to the doctor, and how many of you understand that going to the doctor takes time? You don't just call them up and say, I'd like to see you at 1030, and they're like, absolutely, just we've got you down. It took some time, and so it took a few days, and by the time I got there, that was already beginning to subside, and I went in and talked to the doctor about it. He'd been my doctor for a long time, and he said, you know what, all that is is a nicked gland, and in fact, it's already healing and repairing. You don't have anything to worry about. So I said, okay, I feel better. Then a few years went by. And in my arm, I, I found another lump, a, a bump that was there. It didn't seem to be the same as the other arm. And how many of you do that? Do you ever check both sides? 
right? Double checking to make sure that maybe it's just that's the way that I was made, but no. And so I went to the doctor and they checked it out and they said, oh, that's, a, that's just fatty tissue. I said, should I have it removed? They said, only if you want a scar on your arm. I said, I don't think so. You know, it's no big deal. And those were silly fears, worries that really amounted to nothing. And I'd love to tell you as we go through this series, that nothing that you have ever concerned yourself with or ever preoccupied your mind with will ever take place. But I want to say this Sunday morning that some fears actually are realized. You know, I already alluded to the fact that when I was 17 years old, my mother passed away from breast cancer. You know what? That was something that I feared when she got the diagnosis and it came to pass. About five years ago, right about this time, in fact, Pastor Ray got sick, he was here on a Sunday morning. By Tuesday of that week, he was in the hospital and 46 days later, after being in ICU for 46 days, he died. And as I came to the realization that that fear of his passing might come and had been realized, I woke up one day, being 45 years old, and said to myself, I'm the oldest person left in my family. Makes you think, makes you pause makes you wonder what's next. I can't tell you that there is a scripture that we can go to where you can say, ah, it says right here in black and white that nothing bad will ever happen to you if you are a believer in God or a believer in Jesus Christ. In fact, we could use the case study of Job. What do we know about Job? Job was a godly man. In fact, God bragged on him. I had to get excited to think that God would brag on me or you. God bragged on him. And what happened? Satan came against him and he tempted him. He tempted him and his family. He saw the death of his children. He saw the destruction of his finances or of his, of his financial world. We saw his body that came under attack physically. His marriage lie in ruins. There were problems all around him. And yet he was a good man. How do you explain that? How do you explain things like Joseph? A young man at 17 years old who God began to speak into his life. He began to see dreams and, and understand things about the future that other people could not fully even understand or know that were going on, but God was speaking to him. And in the midst of that, people became jealous and they began to become upset and, and he was sold out by his own family. Friends, some of you are hurt today because of your own family or those who are closest to you. You struggle because of a, a friend or a family member or, or maybe a, a husband or a wife or, or maybe it was a, a dear friend who lied to you or betrayed your trust and you're hurt. And that was like Joseph. Joseph was not only lied about by his family, but the person that he was working for lied that, they tried, that he tried to rape them and he was thrown into prison. And as he was in prison, falsely accused, we know from the time that he was sold into bondage until he was freed from all of his situations, 13 years went by. He struggled beneath the worries and the fears of, will things ever change for me? But today I want you to understand that Jesus has given to us promises He's given to us promises in his word, and he is the greatest one that any of us can follow. And the first thing, the first truth that I want you to understand today is this. Fear comes in fearful times. And you might say, what does that even mean? 
Well, often we think of the life of Jesus and we say, well, if, if it would be like Jesus, Jesus never had anything to fear. Well, that's not really true. Scripture records that he was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. He was the perfect example of someone who did not give in to the struggles and the fears and the worries like each and every one of us face. In Matthew chapter eight, you could read verses 24 through 25. It talks about Jesus going on a trip. He went on a trip across the lake. He'd preached all day, and as he was going, he was in the back of the, of the uh, boat or the ship, and he was asleep. Kind of reminds me of when other people go on trips. Any of you ever go to sleep when you go on a trip? It, hopefully if you're not driving, right? I mean, some of you, I don't know. I mean, Look, sleep driving. No, no. I mean, you know, that, that's, we, we went on a trip this week back and forth to Arizona to get Ashley into school. And, and part of that, you know, if you're not driving, one of the best things that you can be doing is sleeping. And Jesus, you know, that's even scriptural. We're following the example of Jesus. That just occurred to me. Wow. Man, those of you who just said, that's for me. I finally found something at church that's working for me, right? So he was in the, the ship sleeping, and all of a sudden, the, uh, the waves and the, the winds get bad, and it's beginning to flood the ship, and, and they come to Jesus, and they said to him, Master, don't you care that we perish? And he rises, and he rebukes the waves and the wind. You know, he could have awakened, and if somebody's saying, Jesus, don't you care that we perish? The human part of us would say, oh, we're going to die. But No. Jesus had a reason to be afraid, but he stared face, he faced the fear and he rebuked it and he overcame it. We can look at other passages of scripture. You could go to the book of John, chapter 8, verse 59. Jesus was the target of a, of a hostile crowd who wanted him stoned in the temple, and yet scripture records that he victoriously escaped that because it wasn't his time to die. Can I tell you, it's not your time to die until God says it's your time. We could go a little bit further. Luke chapter 22. We understand that Jesus was just hours away from his betrayal. And we read in different places in scripture where Jesus was at that point of great anxiety and he was sweating as it were drops of blood. And a parallel passage is close to where we're reading here in the book of John chapter number 14. Jesus is about 24 hours away from dying. And what do we see? His statement to his disciples is this. Look at verse number 19. Let's begin to read there. And it says there, Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Can I tell you, it's not enough to just say, I love Jesus. You need to keep his commands. It's good to verbalize it, but it's critical that you do it. Then he says, the one who loves me will be loved by my father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? You see, it didn't make sense to this disciple named Judas. Why? Because the plan that he had is that Jesus would reveal himself as the Messiah, as the Lord, as the one who is the great redeemer and the great valiant fighter who would come and set them free. And Jesus, if you don't tell everybody who you are, how is it going to work out? 
You see, a lot of times we struggle to put the pieces together, don't we? We battle with those things in our life we can't understand. Judas, Jesus' disciple, is, is struggling like each of us. He could not reconcile his, his own desires to what God was saying to him. You know, sometimes we begin to pray about things, and God begins to speak, and we don't understand. God, how could, how could that be? What was Jesus giving him? He was giving him and all of the people an understanding of what salvation's plan was all about. He says, because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. And in hindsight, we look at that and we say, I understand what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying he's going to the cross and then he's going to ascend to the right hand of the Father and we're going to be a part of the family of God. It makes perfect sense. But for a man named Judas who was one of his disciples who was looking for Jesus to come and to bring his kingdom right then, it didn't make any sense. And here's my parallel to you today. Some of you sit in this room this morning and the situations of your life don't make human sense to you. It doesn't make any sense how God could bring this about for good. Well, I alluded to the fact that about five years ago, my dad passed away. It was hard for me to understand why that would happen. I prayed for him. Many of you in this room prayed for him. But as we talked to the doctors, they told us, you know, if he does recover from this illness, he's going to have to have a second open-heart surgery. You need to understand that he will be in, in probably rehabilitation six months, maybe a year. None of us knew, but at that point, about nine months later, my stepmom would pass away. There would have been a lot of loneliness. You know, a lot of us look at life about how it affects us, and we forget about how it might affect somebody else. But can I tell you, God loves all those somebody else's too. He cares about their needs. He's concerned about them. There were things that needed to happen. God spared him from a, a lot of pain and unnecessary difficulty. And you know what? God also opened some doors and drug me into some new areas that I needed to grow. And can I tell you this day, friends, some of you need to grow up a little bit spiritually this year. But I don't understand. I don't understand. It, it's uncomfortable. God did not promise you or me comfort all the days of our lives. But he did promise that he would never leave us and that he would never forsake us. Jesus spoke of salvation in verse 25 through his death and the comforter's coming when it says, all this I have spoken while still with being with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. He'll put the pieces together for you that are lacking in your human understanding right now. Come on now. This Sunday morning, some of us lack some understanding about what's going on around us. Oh, let's just take a survey. How many in the room would say, I don't understand everything that's going on in my life? I hope everybody's raising their hand because some folks would be lying if they're not. Right? We don't understand it. We like to say, I've got it all figured out, but in truth, we don't. And that brings us to the second truth that we need to see in this passage. And this is an important one. It's this. Peace is possible. Oh, I want everybody to say it out loud. Peace, Peace. is possible. That's right. Peace is possible. Putting fear in its place makes us understand and needs to remind us of this truth that peace is indeed possible. I want to reassure you that Jesus always speaks the truth to you. Can I tell you, Jesus isn't going to lie to you. Well, pastor, I just don't understand. 
I don't understand. I imagine that's how Judas felt. I don't understand what Jesus is talking about. Jesus said he's going to go away. If you read the whole context, he says, we're not going to be able to go where he's going. And then he's not going to tell everybody who he is. How can he be the Messiah if he's doing these things? And it's very much like us. But I was reading a writer by the name of Maria Furlow, and she says this. If Jesus knew that the command, do not be afraid, was unattainable, he would not have asked us to do it. Yet this is exactly what he commanded. Look at verse number 27 with me today, if you would. Verse 27 in this passage says this. Peace I leave with you. My peace. Oh, look at somebody say, my peace. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Can I tell you that the world gives sorry peace? Crummy peace. Shallow peace. Not as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. Now, there's three things. First thing, the first promise that Jesus gives us here is that he gives us his peace, not human, earthly, or artificial peace. This week... In our state, we got a new governor. This week, in our nation, we got a new Congress, and we got many new senators, and all those things. And people gave us promises. They promised you that if you would elect them into office, that they would make your life better. That they would bring you some peace. I'm thankful that Jesus doesn't bring that peace. But I don't tell you, I don't care who the politician is or even how good their intentions are. They can't bring you anything that's lasting in your life. It's shallow. It's hollow. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. Wouldn't you agree that a lot of the peace today is just about that deep? Just just shallow. Shared the story, but it was about a, a mom. A mom who had two boys. They were elementary age uh, little boys, and I have to tell you, you know, I think raising boys has challenges, raising girls has challenges, but the girls' challenges usually come a little bit later when they're teenagers. Can I get an amen? Yeah, sometimes, but anyway, but these little boys, they were getting in trouble, they were getting in fights at school, they were doing stuff they shouldn't do, they didn't have a dad in the home, they didn't have a father figure. This lady was telling her uh, friend about the problem she was having as a single mother raising these two boys, and, and they were fighting and getting into difficulty and scuffles, and, and the lady she was saying said, I think you should have them talk to my pastor at our church. He's a, he's a good man. I think he could speak some real words that, that would give life to those boys, and, and the mom said, do you think that he would even, he would even listen to, to our problems? We don't even go to your church. She said, I think he would, and here's the number. Why don't you call him? So that she called the church office. And as she called, she said, exclaimed the problem. And, and the uh, lady in the office said, we'll set up an appointment and bring the boys down. And the mom brought the two boys and set them there. She said, I'll be back in 45 minutes to pick them up. The pastor, this was more of an ecumenical church. So the pastor wore those robes. Some of you have seen those. And, and they were dark robes. And any of you have seen somebody in a dark robe, how many of you think the word Judge. So the pastor was coming out kind of out of, a, out of a, a ministry situation. He came to the office. He was running behind. He sat down behind the desk, said, call in the first little boy. He came in. It was the oldest. He came in, and he sat down in the chair, and that kid was really kind of freaking out. I mean, everywhere he saw, there were these books on the wall and the shelves, and there were all sorts of diplomas and all sorts of things, and this guy in a black robe looking at him very sternly, and he said, son, I understand that you've been getting in a lot of trouble, and I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you, son, where is God? 
This kid looked at him. He's like, I don't know what in the world's going on. The pastor became a little more firm. He wanted to put, put off the, the aura of a father figure, and he a little more sternly said to him, I ask you a question, son. Where is God? This kid didn't know what to think. He started to slink down in his chair. The pastor's starting to get a little bit angry because the kid won't talk to him, and he gets, gets a little louder. He says, where is God? The little kid jumps up, and as he's running past the receptionist's desk, he grabs his little brother, and the last thing they heard him say, said, Johnny, quick, we gotta get out of here. They've lost God, and they're trying to pin it on us. You know, a lot of times, friends, we don't really get it. We don't really understand all the things that are going on around us, and that's true of our fears. Secondly, Jesus says, do not, now listen to this, do not let your hearts be troubled. Can I tell you that's more than a suggestion? It's more than a suggestion. That's a directive. Do not let your hearts be troubled. One of the biggest struggles that we have, I think it's all of us, we play those fears over in our mind. Now, nobody wants to have a troubled heart. Anybody in the room want to have a troubled heart? The trouble, the trouble's bad, right? So we, we set it aside, and we put it aside. Say, I don't want to think about that. Oh, but what if it happens? No, no, I can't, I can't, I, can't, I gotta put that away. But I don't know. I mean, how am I gonna deal with it? No, no, I can't, I can't. And all of a sudden, it moves from our minds into our hearts. And now it's not only our thoughts, but it's down inside of us. You know what a troubled heart feels like? Anybody had that fear that's down in the pit of your stomach that grips you and it begins to churn in your spirit? And every time you think that thought, you kind of get those chills that run down the back of your spine and you begin to feel like there's no way out of this. I want to ask you a question today. What has God promised you? Now, some of you say, well, pastor, I'm still struggling to hear from God. We've talked about that last week. I want to affirm to you today that if you're struggling to hear from God, you're not alone. A lot of people come to me and say, I don't know how to hear from God. So I want to just remind us of a few things of how you can hear from God. And let me say, friends, God is speaking. So how does he speak? He speaks through his word. He speaks to us through prayer. He speaks to us sometimes by closing a door that no man can open. And sometimes by opening in a door that no man can close. Sometimes God speaks to us through the word of a, of a spiritual person who says something to us and it's just like, that's a word for me. I need to receive that. Let me say, God has given you some promises. Now, what are those promises? Can, can, I, can any, anybody want a secret tip? Here's a secret tip. Satan will never tell you anything good about your life. Never. So if in your spirit, you're hearing a promise that only God could perform, can I tell you, that's God speaking to you. Satan's never gonna tell you something good in your life, why? Because scripture says every good and perfect gift comes from above. From the Father of life, whom there's no variableness, neither shadow of turning. God is the giver of those things. So sometimes God has spoken to you, do not be afraid. You say, I don't know if that's, would God speak that? Look up in the Bible how many times God said to people, do not be afraid. A lot of times. Said it to Joshua. Talked to Gideon about that. Talks to Mary about it. Talks to people like Joseph about it. Talks all of the time to people, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. 
one of the words God may be speaking to you about your situation today is he said to you, don't be afraid. But you and I tend to argue with God out of our troubled heart. But I feel afraid, God. How can I not be afraid? I feel afraid. I, I feel troubled. Well, that brings us to this third thought. It says not to let our heart be troubled. And then the third statement there is do not be afraid. Now here's where it starts to get real. We have to choose whether we're going to obey or disobey God. Did you know if you're feeling afraid and God says to you, don't be afraid, and you keep choosing to be afraid, you're being disobedient. You're being disobedient. Now, most of us would say in our life, but I just feel afraid. Let me tell you that you can choose to believe God or you can choose to believe your own feelings. All of us have that choice. Will I believe God? Will I believe what I'm feeling in my own heart? But God can see where you're going and why you don't need to be afraid. I'll bring us to the last thing we're gonna look at today. It's called the choice. You see, I'm not telling you that suddenly you don't have any legitimate reasons to, to not be afraid just because you've been sitting in church for all 30 or 45 minutes? Does that mean that everything that you were concerned about has had a change of circumstance? No. But Jesus says, do not let your heart be troubled, but your heart is troubled, you might be saying this morning. How can I then deal with that? Here's what you do. You choose to let go of your troubled heart. I just can't believe it. But God said, no, don't let your heart be troubled. How can I do it? You and I have to choose every day to walk by faith and not by fear. I choose to believe that God isn't a liar. I choose to believe that what Jesus told me in his word when he said to his disciples and he said to me in John 14, don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid wasn't a great suggestion. It was a commandment. I had someone tell me just recently, they came to our church, they were visiting, they said the church that I go to and it's in another state, they said that the pastor will get up and say to people, now this is something that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you should do this, but for everybody else, it's just a suggestion. Let me tell you, the word of God is not filled with suggestions. Whether you've given your life to Jesus or not, the principles of the word of God do not change. It's just whether or not you've chosen to, to follow them yet, whether or not you've chose to deploy them in your life and employ them into your own spirit. Kind of reminds me of a guy who is on a hike. And here in New Mexico, we understand this. If you've ever gone up into the mountains or you've gone on a, on a walk, it, it, it's exciting to do that. In fact, how many of you have ever gone on a hike? Now, a hike is more than a walk. Right? I mean, a hike usually has an incline. When I was a teenager, we went on a hike on the Lalu's Trail. Anybody ever gone on the Lalu's Trail? And so we were with a, a sponsor. We went up there. They dropped us off probably about, I don't know, maybe 30, 40% of the way up. And we went to the rest of the way to the top and then came back down. And we were behind trying to fight for daylight and all this stuff. And we were running. Bad idea to run along the Lalu's Trail. Because there's certain places where... You lose your footing and you used to be a person who walked this earth, right? right? You're now part of a search and rescue event. And so we were doing this thing and, and you know, we even had a few of those, whoa, almost close things. And, and as we were on that, I mean, we were on that kind of situation where you would look over the edge and you're like, that's a long way down. And a guy was on a, on a hike 
And I'm not saying it was like the Lalu's Trail, sheer cliffs, but it was you know, kind of steep. And as he was going along, he lost his footing and he fell. And it started going, tumbling down the ravine. And if you've ever, fa- anybody ever fallen down something? I told, told you a few weeks ago, as we were moving into our house a, a few months ago, I was trying to install something upstairs with uh, Tyler, and I came down the stairs in my socks. Let me just tell you, socks and stairs are a bad idea. And I hit the top stair with my socks and down 10 stairs. Any of you ever seen the movies where the guy falls down 10 stairs, gets up and has a fist fight? That is a lie. If you fall down a set of stairs, good luck with getting up. I was in a pile at the bottom of 10 stairs, laying there going, oh, oh, you know, I'm a Christian, you know, say bad words. I'm just like, right? And Ruth comes, are you okay? Tyler's like, are we going to have to call an ambulance? I'm like, I don't know yet. I don't think so. Right? And so this guy had fallen down this ravine, and as he's falling, he's grabbing, scratching for anything, and he grabs one of those branches that, that kind of comes out of the edge, and, and he grabbed it, and, and he's, as he's kind of swaying back and forth, he's terrified. I can't look down. I'm too scared to look down. What do we do? Even the greatest atheists, what do they do in their hour of need? Oh, God, right? God, help me. What should I do? And he heard a voice, and the voice said, let go. How many of you is like, that's not God? Couldn't be. Praise again. God, what should I do? Let go. Anybody else up there? You know, third prayer. God, what should I do? Here's the voice more firmly. Let go. And he doesn't know what else to do. And his arms are tired. And he lets go. And he falls a foot to the ground because he was that close. (laughs) Can I tell you sometimes, friends, in life, we are so afraid of letting go and letting God. But we're holding on. And God's saying, just let go and let me take care of this. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't be afraid. Maria Furlow wrote this. Can we really not be afraid? I say it is true. I say through God's help, we can make it true in our lives. Jesus loves us, does not lie to us, and would not call us to something we cannot achieve. What am I telling you today? Choose peace. But if you're like everybody else in the room, including me, you have to say, but I don't feel peace. You have to choose peace even when you don't feel it. You have to choose God's peace and say, God, I don't understand how. I don't understand that I can let go of this. I just, I can barely hold on to where I am. But if God says let go, then you understand you gotta let go and you've got to trust him. And that leads us as the musicians come to a final verse that we all need to remember during this series, but every day of our life. It's found in 2 Timothy chapter number one, verse number seven. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's up to you. You can choose to live in fear. 
And if you do, your heart will be troubled and you will be afraid. But there's one more thing I should tell you. You will also be disobedient. Why? Because Jesus ordered us, directed us, said to us, you do not have to fear. You can have a sound mind. You can trust me with your future. You can trust me with today. And I really believe that this Sunday morning, for this body of believers, that's a word that we need to receive. Jesus is speaking to us. Do not be afraid.